1: IB Nation, welcome back to the Irish Breakdown Podcast, and it is the latest installment of the RTCF Show. That's Sean Davis, my co-host, my friend, also the host of the Lucky Lefty Podcast, which you can find Sean on CFP Nation. So make sure you're subscribed there. Yeah. yeah. And you know, we look, Sean. We, we know the people are missing college football on Saturdays, so we're going. We're going to be here to provide you all off season. Yeah. With some talk about college football. And today, Sean, we are going to have some fun talking about a lot of different topics. And I know one for sure is going to be very near and dear to your heart. But we're going to go kind of through, true to RTCF. A lot of times we'll start off with the team stuff first and then go to recruiting. But today we're going to stay true to RTCF. We're going to start with recruiting. For those who don't know, R stands for recruiting, T, no name, team, news, and then CF stands for college football. And the the thing we're going to talk about today, Sean, is it's kind of... It's kind of sort of like a, a look back at when we first started the show. And I don't remember if it was the very first show or one of the first shows. Yeah, In the recruiting segment, we talked about the importance of recruiting Chicago for Notre Dame. And how Chicago was starting. Look, I understood why for a while Notre Dame went away from Chicago. But I felt like in the previous administration, they were a little slow recognizing that Chicago was picking things back up. And that's going to be the topic for today. Sean is talking about Chicago. And Notre Dame did something this week that I thought was huge. Mm-hmm. Number one, the staff is recognizing that the area is producing a lot more talent than it has. And, and not just offensive linemen and tight yeah. ends, which has been producing for a while, Yeah, but big time D linemen, running backs, receivers, and and guys that aren't just, you know, good players for the Midwest, but guys that can just flat out some of the best of the best in the country. Yeah. And they're starting to get back to that. And they did a thing this week, Sean, that that I that I thought was huge because you've been telling me that right now the buzz in Chicago has has really been picking up in recent months for for Notre Dame and we'll talk about why but Notre Dame did something where the coaches went on the road and they went to all like all the schools in Chicago and not just schools where they have players that they're recruiting. Some schools are not necessarily recruiting guys from those schools at the moment, but it's like, Hey, we need to make sure we get back to this, but it wasn't just that that was important, Sean, but the manner in which they advertised it the Chicago, Indiana blitz, half the staff was in Indiana. Half the staff was in Chicago with Marcus Freeman. Of course, the head coach, head ball coach, and the OC first began things in Michigan talking to C.J. Carr, which is important. But presenting it that way was a reminder that, hey, Chicago is our base again. We're making Chicago our base again. And, Sean, you you called me last night and you were like, Chicago is on fire today for Notre Dame because of the fact that Marcus Freeman – rolled into Chicago deep with his staff and announced what he announced, which is we're getting back to making Chicago our home. And I think that was a really great move, not just to get on the road, day one, Chicago, Indiana, but to announce the way they did, Sean, is a fulfillment of where we have felt they have needed to go for a while. It was really good to see.
2: turned a cold shoulder to Chicago and the coaches and the programs in the Chicago area they felt it they felt a little disenfranchised from Notre Dame and that's saying something because Notre Dame is Chicago town it's one of the best I think it's one of the top five biggest alumni groups in the country as far as a city and not a state and then on top of that just going back historically, it, if I'm, it still has the most letterman from a city in the history of Notre Dame. So the history of Chicago and Notre Dame runs deep. And like you spoke about, the previous regime and what they did really just you know kind of made the coaches and the programs in Chicago, specifically within the city, uh, feel different. And you start to see Michigan come in and get some kids. You saw Ohio State come in and get some kids. You saw Alabama come in. And get one of the big time kids that's now transferred over to Texas. So, you had all these other big programs coming to Chicago getting the best talent at the skill positions in, in particular. And, like you said, you know, offensive linemen are always going to be produced in Chicago, the suburbs, in the state of Illinois. But there's something different going on over the last two years. And I would like to tip a cap to uh, Tommy Reese, who, in my opinion, has always been at the forefront.
1: He's been pushing Chicago Chicago since
2: he's been there. He's been at the forefront. He was the main recruiter on Malik Elze for a while. And then, you know, the rest of the staff came in and, you know, ultimately he chose Illinois. Uh, D'Angelo Stocksteel was another kid from Simeon that got a look and things just didn't pan out. Like I said, Mike Mickens was up here last summer going around the schools and he stopped in in Kenwood and a kid Khalil Tate that ultimately ended up at Iowa was someone he was looking at Chris O'Leary was looking at a kid Jair Hill from Kankakee who ended up going to Michigan so it didn't just start this year I believe the staff last year started to make the relationships and build the bridges that had been burned previously and once that happened I think it ignited a fire right and then the fire started picking up because these coaches talk, right? Because now, for a long time, the suburban coaches and programs really didn't respect the city programs. And now these city programs have began to rise. And I'm talking about the public schools, not just the Catholic schools like your St. Ignatius, your Brother Rice, or your Mount Carmel, which you know are your standard bearers within the city. The public schools started to win state championships within the last seven years. And then now you have Kenwood, who's become a dominant program in the state. They're rising because their coaching staff came over from Simeon, who has long been one of one of the top contenders and best programs in the state of Illinois. So now you get this fire building and you're building these, you're building these relationships with these coaches, and now it's making an impact on the youngsters. And you saw a lot of youngsters show up at the junior day last year. You saw a lot of youngsters from Chicago show up at the blue and gold game. And that's when you knew, okay, there's something being rekindled here between Notre Dame and Chicago. And by the time we got to the season, it was starting to build even more, right? Because if you go to the suburban areas, that's where the majority of these Notre Dame fans, right? You're talking about Rudy, the story of Rudy. He comes from Joliet, right? That's, that's a Catholic town. That's a Notre Dame town. It's not changing, right? And those people, that grow up, Their their kids become Notre Dame fans, their grandkids become Notre Dame fans, and they grow up and they start to go out to the western suburbs. And as they expand, now the fan base expands. The only thing that really came through Chicago and changed things, I would say, was a cultural phenomenon, which was in basketball, Georgetown, Mm -hmm. and in football, Miami. And that was just a cultural phenomenon that lasted for a quick second, and then it was over. And once that was done, Notre Dame remained you know, Chicago's college football program. So I think now it's at an all-time high because there's a renewed hope of a relationship between the coaches, the programs, and what Marcus Freeman has done with his staff. Another coach that's no longer here, Lance Taylor, did a fantastic job. Lance Taylor was the one really, besides Tommy, that built the relationship with, with Simeon, Morgan Park, and those schools on the south side before he left and ultimately took a new job last year which so, should help
1: him a ton at western michigan absolutely getting some of those kids from i mean that, that's a short trip over to you know over Cal- over kalamazoo, to kalamazoo right? yes yeah. yes yeah. it's an hour north of chicago of, of south bend that's it
3: so yeah.
2: should pay yeah, dividends so, there so absolutely and like you said the talent is it, chicago went through a strange drop off in its population where mm-hmm. a lot of it, the kids and their parents ventured out west, or either ventured south, whether it was to Texas or to Georgia, Atlanta, that metropolitan there's some folks area. moving across
1: the border into Wisconsin, In
2: Wisconsin, things like that. So, and now I think it's kind of stabilizing itself. And I mean, you hear about the violence and everything, but from mm-hmm. a population standpoint, things have kind of stabilized, and now you're starting to see that talent once again come to the forefront because there's been a lot of investment, and I, I like this there has been some suburban coaches that have built relationships and helped to establish a pipeline within the city to help these young coaches coach build up young young boys and girls in the city and now that has a, there's a pool from those programs in the city like a Simeon Kenwood Morgan Park Whitney Young to pull from so now they can have programs that can actually compete at the top level in the state of Illinois. So no kudos to the suburb that didn't, you know, for a long time they didn't respect, but I think they came to respect the issues that the coaches in the inner city had to deal with. And once they built those bonds and started helping out with camps and and started meeting with each other and giving ideas and sharing ideas, then you start to see certain that's so
1: important for a healthy area athletically yeah to have that buy-in like hey what's good for th- us is good for them and what's good for them is good for us yeah and i think especially as you see more and more of these seven-on-seven programs where you see catholic because like back in the day sean the catholic school kids were kind of overdoing their thing they're what they didn't play each other and then you had the public school kids and then there was the suburban league and yeah. there wasn't a lot of carryover because there was nothing but the season and these kids maybe maybe play each other in basketball a little bit, some of the other sports, but not in football. Well, now with the seven-on-seven seven stuff, you have these – I mean, boom is like dominating seven-on-seven seven every year. And yeah. It's a bunch of Chicago kids. Mm-hmm. And it's because you're getting all these kids from all the different parts of the Chicago. And when we say Chicago, we're not just talking about – the city only of chicago we're talking about the suburban areas around it like so we consider cam williams as being from chicago correct yeah he's from technically from glen ellen which is one of the you know suburban areas you know tommy reese is not from chicago he's from lake forest that's a you know quite different but it's the chicago area yeah but you're starting to get all these kids playing together on these seven on seven teams and you're starting to see a bond there first and then it's bleeding over into, from a coaching standpoint, and I think that's good for the city. But but you can't you can't ignore the fact, Sean, that in recent years, all the things we're talking about are great. Yeah. But that doesn't matter if the talent's not improving. True. And that's the thing for me, and and it's 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 not a coincidence that in the last five years, as as Chicago has improved, you're seeing more big time schools come into the area you're seeing Alabama included, right? Ohio state making a run at two of the better skill players from that, from the area in the last two years and and Caleb Brown two years ago. And then Cardinal Tate this past year. Yeah. And, and so, so what you're seeing, Sean is when, when you kind of look at the area and you look at Chicago and you start seeing more schools kind of coming in there, the, the talent is, has, has greatly enhanced and it doesn't, it's not a coincidence that Illinois is starting to get better with a lot of kids from Chicago. Iowa State this past year, their leading rusher, I believe, was a Chicago kid, right? Yeah. I, I know he got banged up a little bit, but you're starting to see that impact a lot more. And and, and that's kind of the thing that, that is important uh, for me is, yeah, it's fine to say recruit Chicago, recruit Chicago. Tom Lemming's been saying recruit Chicago for 50 years. <laughs> well, seven, eight, nine years ago, I'm like, hey, sorry, man, but that's just, you know, there's a kid or two, but like every now and then, but you just can't recruit the area. Now you're talking about, Shaw, where there's there starting to be some years where, boy, if Notre Dame could get four or five kids from that area, that's that's going to be big. Whereas before it was like a Niles Morgan here, uh, you know, a, 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 a Micah Jones over here. Right. And now you're saying, boy, you really need to put the clamps down. But the, the reality is, is whether it's one kid a year or five kids a year, it's imperative that Notre Dame say, this is our city. And if we want a kid from here, we're going to get a kid from here. And that that's been the concern. Yeah, is would they be able to get back to that even if they wanted to? And that answer I think is going to be determined come signing day this year, right? A little, a little under a year from now in yeah. December. But I think the early returns are Sean that if Notre Dame puts the emphasis on Chicago, it needs to, that it can quickly go from zero. It, they can go from zero to a hundred in a couple seconds. You, you know what I mean? And that's, yeah. That's the thing that we're seeing, you know, where where when Notre Dame first started making a, a push for Cam Williams, they weren't, they weren't, I mean, Michigan was the team that everybody thought was going to get him, and Michigan's been dominating Notre Dame and Chicago, because Notre Dame's been so late to the table, but then Notre Dame gets on Cam Williams kind of early, makes a hard foot push for him, and by by the end of Irish Invasion, he's in the class. Wow. You know, you talk yeah. about, we'll, we'll get into Justin Scott here in a minute, but you know, you kind of look at last year and being able to to go into the Chicago area and, and, and say, hey, Christopher Tarek, it's, so again, Glen Ellen kid, right? Same city from as Cam Williams. Com- an offensive lineman from Chicago kid committed to Wisconsin five years ago is not getting flipped from Wisconsin. No. And there's some things happening in Wisconsin that helped Notre Dame, but even if that didn't happen, Notre Dame's probably going to get Chris Tarek. Yeah. And it's not just because of Harry stands; it's because that's ultimately where Chicago kids want to go. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's really important. And then, of course, they yesterday they offered Darian Dupree, running back from Al Carmel, who can flat out play. You know they've offered Marquise Lightfoot, who's from the Chicago area, and then of course there's the the main attraction, so to speak, in the city of Chicago, and that is Justin Scott. I, I would say the two best kids in Chicago, in my opinion, Sean, are clearly, clearly Justin Scott and. Cam Williams, the Chicago area, are Justin yeah. Scott and Cam Williams.
2: Yeah, Notre Dame's in on four of the top six.
1: Yeah, in Illinois,
2: just think about it. that's and that's where they should stay. Right, they, they, they should pull from the top five kids and whomever they want out of the top five. They 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 should be able to get, you know, as another kid. I don't think they're going to offer, but he's a heck of an athlete, Tyshawn Griffin from Morgan Park. And you got right. a, Mar- a Marion Stewart out there from Uh There's another kid. Eddie Turk well, is somebody that actually, Mike Elston, when he was there, Right. he was talking to Eddie Turk. Yeah. And he was
1: on campus this summer, I believe, for our invasion, yeah. I believe. Yeah. yeah. And if, if Notre Dame wanted Christian Betancourt, they could have got him. Betancourt, they could have got him. Oh, absolutely. You know, absolutely. I mean, there, Betancourt is no ranked second in the state by rivals, yeah. Yeah. And Notre Dame just thought Jack Larson was better. Yeah, and so and, and I tend to agree with him. He's also a, a little bit of a better fit, but you know he's a kid that they could have had. So I mean, Grant Steck was on campus this summer at Ours yeah. Invasion. So it's a lot of those kids that they're they're pushing for, mm-hmm. you know. And and I know Rivals has Cam Cam Williams number three in the state behind, uh, Bet, 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 but Bettencore, But to me, Cam Williams is definitely better than than him, yeah. with all due respect. Yeah. But that's the thing for me is for, for Notre Dame has been able to go into Chicago and get the Cole commits, you know, some offensive linemen, guys like that. But right now you're talking about a stud defensive lineman. You're talking about a wide receiver. You're talking about a running back. Yeah, Sean, those are the positions that have been harder for Notre Dame to get out of that area. And I think that's the part that has to be discussed is they're producing more of the positions that – like Charles Jaggers. Getting a Charles Jaggers out of Illinois is not a surprise. You know, like that's the state of Illinois produces kids like that. I mean, going back in yeah. Notre Dame's missed on some of guys, some of those guys too. I'm just talking about like, it's a, it's an air that's produced linemen. Chris Watt, you know, the Ethan Posett kid who went to, who went to LSU a couple years ago. Yeah. So there's been kids like that, but we haven't seen a lot of Cam Williams come out of there. We haven't seen a lot of Darian Dupree's come out of there, at least not as, as you know, it's not consistent. And so I think the fact that, you're, you're talking about them starting to produce more of that skill, you know, more in Stewart. Like right now there's other guys that are just hiring the board for him, but that guy's a good football player, yeah. right? Yeah. So I think that's a big thing for me, Sean, is, is when I look at it and say, boy, they're producing the higher level talent, but also the higher level skill talent. And that's a huge thing for, for, for me. Now I said Rivals has Cam Williams 3, 247 has him second in the composite. So yeah. they're both considered top 50 players. And that right there is the point. Two top 50 players out of Chicago. Yeah, can't miss on them. Can yeah. never miss on them. No, I mean that—that's as bad, or even if not, that's worse than missing on a, a top fifty kid from Fort Wayne. To yeah, because Chicago's even more conducive to Notre Dame than Fort Wayne. So that—that's the thing for me, Sean. And and obviously the, the 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 crown jewel of it is so to speak, is Justin Scott. So I know a lot of people are are wanting to know about him and and kind of what's going on with him. So let's let's get into it, Sean. And obviously you had a chance to go we talked already about on the show about this you had a chance to go in and meet with Justin face to face we had some very interesting intel to share on the board which we eventually shared on the on the site or i mean in the show the other day but Notre Dame went by the school yesterday and was able to you know meet with the coaches and and just remind everybody there that we're still here we're still Notre Dame and then heard it went really well and then later that night not saying these are direct correlations, but later that night, Justin Scott tweets out that I'm making my commitment on January 23rd. Now you and I knew he was going to make an earlier commitment. You you kind of walked through it on it the show thir- the other day. The 31st is it 31st. Did I said, what did I say? 23rd. No, I, I saw. I meant to say 31st. I don't know why okay. I said 31st. 23rd. Yeah. Um. 31st. And and you look at it, in it's a situation, Sean, where we you had walked out that you could see him making a decision in the next few months. Mm-hmm. But for him to tweet out the thirty first was okay. That's interesting. So you've had a chance to talk with Justin since then. So let's 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 have yeah. it. Well, so how do you, where do you where do you walk, think things stand? Let's walk
2: it back to Tuesday night. Uh, I get talked to him for 15 minutes after this game, and he was very adamant that he was just he was ready. Like he released his top eight because he was ready to get it over with. He felt like he knew what he liked about each school, and he was just ready to get through the process, and his basketball schedule was about to get hectic, which is crazy because they have some weeks coming up where they have three games in a week, which is bananas for high school, and I just had a big game last night against Loyola Academy up in Wilmette, which was like a barn burner because that's the two prestigious Jesuit high uh, Catholic schools in the city of Chicago. And, you know, I gave him time to get home last night. And like I said, he gave me the vibe that he was ready to end things, but he was still looking to possibly make some visits after the basketball season on Tuesday. Fast forward. They visit the school. The coaching staff visits the school. It was Al Golden. It was Al Washington. And it was Marcus Freeman. They visit the school. He characterized his words to me was, yo, it went really good. Everything was really good. And then we just started to talk about some other things, joke with him about certain things in his film. And I said, how big was today for you? I said, was it really big for you? And he said, yes, sir. It was really big. And that was the last thing he said to me last night, you know? And I think the magnitude of what they did and the way they did it. Cause I don't think he really, no one really knew that they were coming until probably they put it out.
1: <laughs> That's the other like thing, morning. Sean too, is they yeah. did it as sort of a sneak attack yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. To where it, to create maximum effect? Because we've talked to several kids who were like, "Yeah, I didn't know they were coming today." I don't think Cam Williams knew that they were coming.
2: No, he didn't. He didn't. I talked to Cam yeah. Williams that morning, and that's when he knew. He was the one that told me right. that Stucky and Freeman would be at his basketball game, which is a fantastic game, by the way, last night.
1: Because that's where you like, were last night. Yeah, too, that's
2: right? where I was last night. And Marcus Freeman is a rock star. We need to get to that as well. Yeah. We need to get to that as well. But, um, yeah, Justin Scott, man, his the shift that came from, in my opinion, there was a shift in his mind that came from the events on yesterday. Not so much that it kind of sped up what he already wanted to do. Yeah, He was clear to me that he was ready to be done. And it was just going to be a matter of maybe taking another visit or two in the spring. And I think I told you or I said on the show that I expected him to possibly make a decision by, like, late spring, yeah, early you, summer. You, I, you might I, have said he,
1: that on the show too, but you definitely said and that And I me said he's
2: well. not the type of kid to drag it out. No. He, I mean, he's not going to do that.
1: Let's be real about something, Sean. If Notre Dame would have handled this recruitment correctly, he, he probably would have committed in the fall, last yeah. fall.
2: Yeah. 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 Yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree. So, so, yeah, just talking to him last night. Matter of fact, I want to make sure I get his words correctly. What stood out was just the overall vibe and feeling. Like I said, it was a s- sneak attack, but it meant the world to him. And the reason it means the world to him and the word, the reason it means a world to a Darian Dupree when he gets an offer like that, it's because this is a Notre Dame town, and I'm sure we're going to dig more into this because we talked about it last night. Like you can go get a talk first... We're
1: talking Chicago. You can take this where you want to.
2: Yeah, no, it's like
1: you know what I mean.
2: You talk about five star kids from Florida. You talk about a five star kid from Texas. Yeah, they might like Notre Dame. They might like no Marcus Freeman. But how much are they truly invested in Notre Dame?
1: They might even commit to Notre Dame.
2: They might even commit to Notre Dame. But how much of an investment do they have from their childhood in Notre Dame? How much have they been surrounded by alumni in their neighborhoods or alumni in their high schools? This is what you're getting from a Justin Scott or a Darian Dupree if they indeed decide to commit to Notre Dame. They are bought into the program. There is little danger to when these young men commit, there's little danger that they're decommitting. They are bought in. They already love the program. They know the program. Their athletic directors went to Notre Dame. Their teammates, brother and father, went to Notre Dame. Like They're surrounded by the program. They love the program. They're the type of kids that wait for that offer. They're waiting for the offer. That is the offer that they all wait for to say, yeah, you have been validated. All the work you put in is worth it. Doesn't mean that that's where they're going to choose to go, but that's an offer that they wait for. They clamor for in the city of Chicago. And so Notre Dame has to know that. They have to know that. And they have to know that they start out with an advantage for these young kids in Chicago and operate like that. And to see the progression from last year the legwork they did to this year and pushing the envelope even further. It made me as a Chicagoan and made those young men that have loved Notre Dame and the program since they were small, made them feel extremely. Look, Justin Scott and Cam Williams were happy and excited for Darian. Like when they saw he got the offer, they were like, yo, I'm so happy for my boy. Like, if you saw Tom Lemming, I retweeted it. Tom Lemming put out a video last year of the top kids in the 24th class. And right there in front, it was Darian Dupree. You go to the next row behind him, it was Cam Williams. And you go to the back row right behind Cam, it was Justin Scott. And it's like, they're all in this group of kids. And Eddie Turk is, like, right there next to Justin Scott. Eddie Turk is another kid. Like, if he gets that offer, it's, it's over with. It's Which like is a, why
1: you actually won't see Notre Dame offer many kids in Chicago. Absolutely. They have to be very careful they who they careful. offer because they you do. can't you can't offer a kid and then he wants to commit and you're like, no, nah, dude, sorry, we can't right. we can't take you. Because right now Eddie Turk Turk's not, he's a D lineman. I mean, he's not a guy that right now is a guy that they're gonna that they would take. So you gotta be careful. Same thing with Christian uh Betancourt. Like, look, Notre Dame liked him, they did. Yeah. And they say, Why do you never offer him? Because he'd committed. And they weren't ready to take his commitment because they they were other guys they liked better. On the spot. On the spot. So that's the danger too. With some of these kids, not all of them, but some of these kids, you have to be careful. So I I would say after my
2: conversation with him last night and comparing it to the conversation I had with him on Tuesday night, that was a, a shift in his mindset. That was a shift based upon the events of yesterday that made him want to end his recruitment earlier than he intended. And he was already on the track wanting to get it over with and not dragging it out, right? Mm. And I flat out asked him last night, do you pretty much know where you want to go? And he said, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty close. That That's where we sit. And now we sit and wait for January 31st. Uh, he, But Irish Breakdown, IB Nation, he's going to see me at
1: every home game. The <laughs> There's no doubt. So you guys will be, you just, will be locked in. And here's the great thing about it. I don't have to tell my guy to go to the basketball game. I don't have to force him to go and call. He's on it before he's, he's calling me him on the way to the basketball game. All right, cool. Let's do it. Sean, here, here's the, here's the concern though. Right. And it all sounds great, but here's the concern about Chicago in general. And and to a degree with Justin Scott, you have allowed Michigan Mm. to get a foothold into that city. Absolutely. You have allowed Ohio state to get a foothold into that city. Which means these are these battles are going to be tougher than they should be. Yeah. It's not a given yeah. that if they if they push for Darren Dupree, they're gonna get him because Michigan's been on him for a while. Yeah. Now Michigan was slow to offer him as well. Yeah. Notre Dame actually beat Michigan to the punch. To and the then punch. you saw a couple hours later that Michigan offers. Right. That was a reaction to Notre Dame offering. Mm-hmm. They couldn't hold off offering once Notre Dame offered. No. Had no choice. So now you're putting Michigan and that's the same thing that happened with Cam Williams. Is no, Michigan thought they were in a good place. And then Notre Dame just went from like 0 to 100 like that with Cam yeah. Williams. And then Michigan tried to scramble and get caught up. It's too late. Too late. Once yeah. Notre Dame got ahead of them, it's a wrap. Well, Michigan
2: has pretty much had the lay of the land. Right. Right with the previous staff, and they, right.
1: you know, they could kind of slow walk. It was like, and they got other guys too. like got Roger Pierce last year from Absolutely. Saint Rita, Rita. You know, along with the AJ Hennings, and they got right. Brooks Barr, who's a mm-hmm. Chicago suburb, suburb, kid, suburb kid, right? Yeah. So they've been doing really well there. There's a lot yeah. of Chicago kids on campus when those kids visit, right? So, and that's because Notre Dame has allowed that to happen, not to a degree. That's okay. I'm okay them not taking Roger or uh, Brooks Barr and Roger Pierce. That, that's okay. You got better players than them. Yeah. And that's the thing that, that – that's the balancing act Nurem has to find here, Sean, is you've got to get those kids from Chicago. But you, you also can't sacrifice getting better players for them. And, yeah. like, you and I talked last night. Yeah. If it's equal, you take the Chicago kid. If it's really close – Yeah. And maybe that other kid is better, I think you take the Chicago kid, or the Fort Wayne kid, or the Indianapolis kid, right? Yeah, yeah. But – with all due respect to like roger pierce he's a good football player he's not better than Devin houston yeah not 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 at all got to make that move with all due respect to Brooks bar brooks bar he's a solid football player yeah. mike elson tried to get him here when he was another name he's not bubacar Traore. he's not brendan vernon and so you got to be careful there with how you recruit him because you can also alienate the city too if you push hard for these kids; they want to come, and you tell them no, thanks. Right, and you take somebody else. So it's a it, it can be a really challenging balancing act for Notre Dame too, which is so, why you don't see them offer a lot of the kids. They I don't like, offer these kids until they're ready to take them.
2: I like this staff because they're honest. Right, high school coaches respect honesty. Right, Mike Mickens goes, he asks to come up to Kim Wood, say I'm interested in some of your guys, and he has an honest conversation with Sinq Turk. Honest conversation.
1: Say who that is. Sean. Thank you. Turner
2: is the head coach of the Kenwood Broncos, right.
1: which is where Marquise, is Lightfoot, where Marquise
2: Lightfoot is. Right. Like we're all, and they have to have that honesty because Marquise is coming after the kid that they came to look at right. in the 23 class. And then they have kids in the 25 class that are absolute, the 25 class in Illinois from a skill position standpoint and quarterback standpoint, might end up being the best quarterback skill position class that they've had probably in about 10 years. There's that many wide receivers, athletes. Um, Javon Clark at Morgan Park, class of 25, he's been at, he's been to Notre Dame a couple of times. He's a linebacker, though, and I think they're looking at him as a linebacker, and I'm sure he'll be at the Invasion this year. So it's just, man, the buzz, the talent just continues to bloom. And everything is centered around, and we talked about this, the narrative, right? After losing Keon Keaton, after losing Peyton Bowen, all we've heard for the past month. Man, Notre Dame, yeah, Marcus Freeman is recruiting better, but we can't hold. It's the five stars. It's the five stars. It's the five stars. Well, you know what? You know how I think, and I said it jokingly last night, but I believe, you know what? You know, when you do things right, you might just get a little help. And to kill that narrative, he put a no-nonsense, no-drama, five-star defensive tackle, which is what you need. He gave you exactly what you need. Everybody's been begging for that defensive tackle. And somehow.
1: 300-plus pounds. Already. Right. 6'5",
2: 315, already. Just happens to fall into your backyard. Here. Break the narrative. Start with that. And once you start with that, then the other five stars would say, oh, he went there.
1: The danger is the flip side, though. And this is the concern because Mm -hmm. you have 17 days to close the deal. If you're the leader, if he knows where he's going to go and it's not Notre Dame, they have 17 days to fix it. If he if it's 17 days from now and he knows where he's going and it's Notre Dame, you got to hold off because now everybody else is bringing, like Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama, mm-hmm. they're throwing, okay, got 17 days, mm-hmm. everything at him. And if their perception is that Notre Dame is the leader, they're gonna throw everything at him, right? You have 17 days to get it done. The, the the problem is, Sean, is and this is the frustration, is we shouldn't even be in this conversation, having had this conversation right now. Didn't we have
2: that same right. thought towards another Chicago kid? In the
1: right. 23 class. Right. Right. So And, and, you know, you, you didn't get on him as early and he's referring to Cardinal Tate. They should have wrapped up much sooner than they did. And then it would have been harder for him to leave. It had been harder for Cardinal to leave Notre Dame than it would have been for him to leave another school. Yep. Right. Yep. You know, so that that's kind of where you're at. Cause you, like you yeah. said, and you didn't even mention he's from a prestigious Catholic school Sean. Yeah. You know, cause that adds sense to the conversation as well. But you know, so you look at it this year, Sean, uh, there's, to me right now, there's five kids in the Chicago area that nobody's that looking at, like, hard. I think they'll try to take at least three of them. Mm-hmm. The other two I'm not sure about. Obviously, Cam Williams, Justin Scott, Darian Dupree uh, is the other one, Marquise Lightfoot, and then um, I'm trying to remember who the fifth guy is. Um, for the life of me, I can't remember who the fifth guy I is. think
2: they, if I'm not I- – I'm, I'm not sure if he got offered, but I know he was at the invasion and they were looking at him. Uh, Darian Dupree's teammate, Parker starts, the linebacker. Yeah. He's in twenty four class, I I thought he tweeted out that he got an offer, but I'm not. I'm I don't not think sure. he's been
1: offered yet. Okay, yeah. so I'm trying to remember who the fifth guy is, but those those are so hold on. Says so Justin Scott. Cam Williams, Marquise yes. Lightfoot, Darian Dupree, and and I can't remember who the fifth guy is that I'm trying to think of. But anyway, the the point is, it's not a big list. Yeah, right. It's not a big list, but it's a list that you're saying, okay, we're trying to we're trying to go get this this group. And yeah. I think it, you got to get at least two of them. And I think that I'd like to see a third. Of, it, it for me, if I could say perfect world, everything goes according to plan for Notre Dame. It you get Justin Scott, you get Cam Williams, and you get. Darian Dupree, mm-hmm. Marquise Lightfoot. I'm still not quite sure that's the way to go right See, that's, now. That's
2: that's the only one we disagree on. Yeah, is Marquise Lightfoot. Just
1: because it's not even about him. It's just looking at the board right now. Mm-hmm. There's just better players on the board at that position right now. You know, uh, Jacob Smith is on campus right now from Connecticut. He's just a better player than Marquise Lightfoot. Bryce Young is one we'd have to debate on. I think Marquise is a better player now. I think Bryce has a higher ceiling. You know, there's just other guys that play that position on the board. A Darius Hayes, I think, is a linebacker slash potential viper. There's Lightfoot. just there's just yeah. other guys on the board right now, Sean. We don't disagree on Marquise Lightfoot as a player. I don't think we do. It's just for me. It's just there's just other guys that fit the 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 what I referred to earlier, which is it can't just be slightly better. They've got to definitely be better. And right now there's just guys on the board right now that fit that mold. And the one thing about Bryce young is he's not from Chicago, but he's a legacy.
2: Oh, absolutely. And you so know there's that, there's him. that
1: dynamic as well. So, yeah. you know, there, there's Jay Sean Ross, you know, who, who they're way behind on right now, but he's on the board. He's significantly better than him, Elijah rushing. So it's just kind of like, that's the only one that makes me a little bit hesitant to say how because you already have Owen Waifel. You know, I feel good about Notre Dame's ability to, to to get Bryce Young. Yeah. Say, okay, you got the Smith Twins. You've you've got Justin Scott. You've got a couple. Because see, here's the thing too. A lot of people think look at Justin Scott, Sean. 6'5, 310, 315. Oh, nose tackle. Nope. No. Nope no <laughs> right I, now i thought he was nose tackle when they first i recruited him just because i saw the size And then you watch the film and you're like he could play nose tackle mm-hmm. but if you choose to put him a nose tackle you're choosing to put him at the position that's probably his third best position and he'd be really good at it don't yeah. get me wrong right but you look at him as a three technique or even better if they went to like a three down lineman alignment he's your four i five technique right there and he's so, a monster
2: so that is just a tidbit now you're getting into the conversation or what has been relayed to him as far as yeah. how he's going to be used. They don't view him as a nose
1: tackle. Which is hugely important. They
2: want him to play everywhere. on yeah. I, Chris T. Jones from the Chiefs. Yeah. If I had to an stayed. NFL. Yes. Yeah. We, right? The way the Chiefs use him. Like when they go three down, he's on the outside. Rushing from the outside. Then you can see him playing – both interior positions, depending upon what they want to do, and they just allow him to get after the mismatch in the pass rush, push the pocket. That's how they view him. Yeah. They want to use his versatility and his athleticism along the defensive line, and that's that's what he already does. So, that's and when very you put simple.
1: him in nose tackle, Sean, it's third and seven. Yes, because you've got your nickel package in, mm-hmm. and then he's then he's dynamic from that spot. Yeah, yeah. So that but that to me he is the key to this class and as a whole but like the point is is you look at him he's a three technique kind of kid mm-hmm. so then you start getting into it okay it's really a tr- an intriguing situation for Notre Dame Sean because they've got to make some decisions here right so if you take Justin Scott a three technique then you say okay you've already got Owen Wafel, who's kind of a three technique nose but probably more of a three technique mm-hmm. and then you say okay but you like the twins but like if you get Justin Scott do you then take a third three technique and 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 Jared Smith, the other twin? Right. Cause he's not really a nose either. And nose, you really like TJ Lindsay a lot, the kid from Arkansas who's about 6'4, 290 right, right. now, is gonna keep blowing up. You've got the kid that they just recently offered from uh from Pennsylvania who's going down to the the IMG. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Who's a great looking nose nose tackle prospect. Right, right. So you've got some guys on the board that fit that spot really well. And then you've got a guy like Benedict Ume, who's a really raw kid, but another yeah. guy to consider. So yeah. they're going to have to make some some really interesting decisions. Jordan Thomas from New Jersey, 6'6", 295 kid. They could probably be a nose three technique. So they've got to be careful they don't fill up too quickly. And that's kind of my thing is, is you've got to decide who do you prefer to get early, Bryce Young or Marquise Lightfoot. I don't know if you can take both of them early. And that's the difficult situation that they're in right now. And, uh, you know, obviously Bryce Young's on campus right now. By the way, he, I walked by, he towers over his father, by the way. He doesn't look at 6'4", point, Yeah, He doesn't. Yeah, he looks yeah. closer to 6'5", 230 at this point. He's filling. – he's got a huge head. Yeah. And I mean that literally. He's got really broad shoulders. I mean, just – his his – his feet are huge, his hands are but what what you notice today is he's starting to fill out a little bit in the chest area. Like you can yeah. see a little definition here in the chest area. Yeah. Torso's starting to fill out a little bit more, you know. Yeah. You're starting to see him kind of grow into that body. He's an interesting kid because he is such a I mean, floor is down here off the screen, or yeah. he could play a meaningful snap in his entire career. Yeah. But I feel like the ceiling is also really up here where he could end up because he's got great Size potential. I think he's a pretty good athlete for his size. I agree with that. And then he's got the DNA. You can't dismiss that. I mean, no. that, that's what the staff banked on with Joe Alt. Yeah. Hey, okay, 6'7", six, six, 240, but. That's a darn good bet, bet to take. dad. Right. He's built a lot like his dad. His dad went to Iowa as a tight end and then grew into a first-round draft pick on the offensive line. Mm-hmm. And became a 10-plus-year veteran who's in the, I believe, in the Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City Chiefs front off, yeah. Right? Yeah. So you say you banked on the DNA a little bit. And I think that there's a a, a thought of, do you, do you really want to pass on Bryant Young's kid and he goes to Tennessee and hits the ceiling? Mm-hmm. Do you really want to do that? No. Nah. That's the concern. But see, this is where they're at where – here's the interesting thing sean is and here's the frustrating thing is there's so many good d linemen that they're in on that if they were handling d line recruiting correctly they could pick and choose who they wanted in this class on the d line they still may end up doing that because that's the power that marcus freeman has and let's we didn't talk about that Mm -hmm. like what you're seeing now and and if he actually like really wins at the next level He's the kind of cat, Sean, that when he walks into a room, it just kind of like, you know, there's just that dude that when he walks to a room, people stop and they start, like, okay, hold on a second. So and so's here. Yeah. Like, I remember being at the combine and you've got Brady Quinn walking around, which was my one time meeting him, which is quite an honor. I'm not going to lie to you. You got all these NFL, you know, John Lynch. And then all of a sudden, John Elway walks in the room Hmm. and just like, like yo, everybody's like looking around, like, and it wasn't just me because obviously I'm like, oh my god, it's freaking John Elway, you know I mean? I, you yeah. know me, but you're just looking around the room, and it's like this dude's like almost like in his fifties and hasn't played in, a, it, but just all of a sudden, like all the media is kind of around, and then all of a sudden John Elway walks in and just vroom, bam, right there, like that. There's just some people that have that presence. Yeah. Yeah. Marcus Freeman has a lot to prove as a yeah. coach because he's a first year coach. He showed yeah. us a lot, et cetera, et cetera. But you know we, he's got a lot. To... But the one thing is, is that if he wins, hmm. you're going to have a hard time with it because he is one of those guys that walks into a room and he has yeah. a presence, and and it, and it's combined with something very important, very important. And this is what I think has helped Dabo Swinney a lot at Clemson. You can say what you want about Dabble, but everybody that meets him says that dude, that's just who he is. What you see on TV, oh, that's a shtick. No, it's not. Anyone that knows him says that's who he is. He's genuine. And kids want someone who is real. Yes. And what you see from Marcus Freeman, is that's real. who he is. That's who he is. It's not fake. It's not forced. Like we're at the we're at the junior day today. And they did this really funny thing where like, Chad Bowden and, and all of his recruiting assistants were like dressed up like Secret Service agents. And when kids would pull up, they would like stop the car and they'd like roll down the windows. They're like checking underneath, uh, you know, looking for bombs and stuff. And they get kids out, there, like frisking the kids. Like at one point, Cam Williams runs over and he's frisking Jack Larson and all this. And then they announce like so-and-so is here. And and the kids loved it. I mean, they loved it, right? But the reason it works, and I said this to some of the guys that were there, the reason this works, the reason it's it's accepted and not weird and corny and awkward is because Chad is – that's who Chad is. That's who he is, It's man. not an act. I mean, it's an act because they're they're <laughs> pretending. But, like, he's just that way. It's natural. It's real. Yeah. It's free. And so then when you have him doing his kind of goofy thing and then – but what you're getting is you're getting two guys that are just who they are. Yeah. And and we've talked about this with Tommy Reese and people are like, why are you, why are you defending Tommy Reese? Why? Because I believe that in the last two, three months, Tommy Reese is kind of coming out of a shell a little bit. And we're seeing more of the real Tommy Reese. And, and what I mean by that is being around Marcus brings that out of you. Mm-hmm. Dude, stop trying to be this, stop trying to be the Notre Dame quarterback it's always got to try to say the right thing and, and do the right thing and do all that. Right. Like that's what you have. That's what has been groomed into Notre Dame players for years. Yeah. You know, give every kid gives the same exact answer. There's no, you know, Liam Michaelberg comes out against Virginia Tech and 20s, hey, we're just gonna get on the bus, go down there, kick their ass, get on the bus, go home. And like we didn't see him in the media for the rest of the year. Why? That's a great, because you know what they did? That's exactly what they that's did.
2: Exactly what they did.
1: You know what I mean? And 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 so it's like Tommy was kind of programmed to be that guy. And I think being around Marcus and being around Chad at first, I think it was kind of like oil and water because there, but now it's like, I think Tommy's getting it and he's, he's now feeding off of that and you're seeing the success. And, but, but it's, it begins at the top, Sean, with a head coach that is a certain way, demands certain things, but he does it because that's who he is. And when he walks into a room, people notice And it doesn't take these kids more than five minutes of talking to this guy to be like, that's a dude that I want to play for. And that's what hurt them with Keon. Because with Keon being in Tampa, you could only really see him during that whole stretch when he came up to your campus. Whereas if you're down there, it's much easier to just kind of always be around. He can be at your campus a lot more. And And I think those are the things that you look at and say, that's what people so, say. Well, if you get Justin Scott, it's going to be just like Keon. And you know, it's not. It's a different deal for a lot of reasons. But one of them is because you are going to have him around Marcus Freeman all the time. And so I think that's something that helps with this thing, too. It's not a coincidence that it wasn't just the Notre Dame coaching staff went to Chicago, which has created buzz. You're talking about, my, but Marcus Freeman just walks in with a completely different presence.
2: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. He, if something seismic happened with that visit. And it wasn't a phone call. It wasn't just his defensive line coach. It wasn't just the defensive coordinator. It was, yo, that's the dude. That's the dude. And everyone knows in the recruiting ranks who Marcus Freeman is. Like, they know. He is a dude. The coaches at these high schools know. He walks in, his presence. The game last night, right? They walk in. <laughs> what? Okay. I know coaches come to these games all the time, but all right. Then you start to see, you know, Glenbar West is different. You know, you can watch in stadium, but then they have this glass area above where you can stand and watch. You can see administration up there watching the game behind the glass, and you know they spend time in both places. And they go up there, and you know I'm looking on social media after the game, and I'm waiting around, and he's taking pictures with little kids. And this one dad posts his picture and says, "My kids say said this is the greatest day of his life," and he has a Notre Dame jersey on. He's taking a picture with Marcus Freeman, and it's like, dude, what? That's that's the effect. Like, that's a kid that if he grows up to be a 6'3", 210-pound linebacker, if they offer him, it's over. Like Nothing else needs to be said. That'll be a story at hot halftime of a game that they talk about. That picture he took that was posted on Twitter that his dad took, and now he's a middle linebacker for Notre Dame. It, look, he was a star. Last night, from the moment he walked in the doors at Glenbard West, the moment he walked in the door, he stole the show. He stole the show, and you know that's what you love to see. That's what you love to see. I don't, I don't think there can be anything. I know earlier you said they have to be careful how they recruit. I think the fact that this staff, starting with Marcus, Marcus Freeman, is Remember, we talked about it early in the year. Like he's so transparent that sometimes, like man, maybe he's too transparent. I remember right. we used to say that all the time. Like right. yo, he's telling the truth, right? But I don't know if you want to say, say that. But he is willing to deal with right the pros and cons of being himself, right? He's, yo, and that that is that probably comes from his father, right? And the type of disciplinarian he is. Yeah. Like something. Be who With you are. With that military background. Absolutely. Right. My grandfather used to tell me, son, if you be yourself, you never have to be anybody else. I remember him telling me that growing up. So it, you have to respect that. And like you said, the kids and the coaches right. respect that. Because if it's not your cup of tea or you're looking for something else, then that's fine. And I think. Two things were learned yesterday. I think there was something we talked about that the staff had to be sure of and, and and feel and see for themselves, and Justin Scott needed something. Yeah. And I think they both got it. Right. Yesterday.
1: Now just keep it up. For the next seventeen days. Yes. The the last thing on Coach Freeman too is it's 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 like with a lot of these things, and it's why I think kids ultimately want to play for him is because they want to be coached in a way that he was coached. Because it starts at home, right? Like Mm -hmm. a lot of that starts at home, but it gets built on, and that's what you know. Parents that really understand what school is like, when you sent your daughter away, it's a little different than sports, but the same thing is like you want to know that she's going somewhere where they're going to develop her as a young into a young woman. Mm -hmm. You've done what you can do. Now mm-hmm. I've got to trust that you're going somewhere where they're going to, they're, they're going to be able to develop you vocationally or whatever the case into a certain thing. And with football, it's that way as well. Mm-hmm. Whereas a parent, you gotta say, okay, I'm sending him off to, to, to play for you, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I got to know, and I got to trust you're going to do this. And so when you look at the the influences under coach Freeman, obviously his mom was very influential in his life. His his dad was very influential, but then he goes to Ohio state and he plays in Jim Trussell, who was also a lot who was very much like that, developing yeah. you to be you. Yeah, Jim Tressel was like, we're going to play the Ohio State way. But one of the things – and there's things about Jim Tressel I, I didn't appreciate and didn't like, you know, but the one thing about him is when it comes to young people, it, up until the Terrell Prior era, which is yeah. what I think did him in, yeah. was, was he sacrificed things to make Terrell happy. Mm-hmm. He never sacrificed before. But before was, is this is the Ohio State way, but within that, I, I'm trying to help you become a man – and the man that you're capable of being, not a bunch of cookie cutter robots, right? And, and so I think that was a big influence too, is with Marcus Freeman, is kind of getting him into that, like, hey, be comfortable in your own skin. Absolutely. Don't, and I think that's what Coach Freeman tried to do early. I think he tried to do things that he thought were. Well, this is what I think Coach Tressel would do, or this is what I think. You know, Coach Holtz would do, or this is what I wish somebody would have done for me when I was an assistant coach or whatever. And then eventually he was like, nope, we're going to do it my way. And I think he just got it's like almost, it's almost kind of like losing him, losing. It's just a weird thing. And Sean, I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. It's almost like losing forced him to say, if I'm going down, I'm going down doing it my way. And we saw a change. And from that change came more buy-in, better play, better yeah. coaching, all yeah. of those things. Yeah. Well, and 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 that kind of leads to. But he's always been that way on the recruiting trail. He's always been real and genuine and honest. And so, mm-hmm. one of the things that people have to understand too is, right or wrong, a lot of the emphasis the last couple months has been on finishing the 2023 class and not losing guys and doing all that, and the transfer portal. It's not a coincidence. As soon as the transport visits are over, first thing they do is hop in the car and head to Chicago and go and see see first visit. They went to CJ Carr, which is always where the first place they should go to until they have another CJ Carr ish person. You know what I mean? Uh, in the class, hopefully. And then the second trip was over to see Justin Scott and uh, his seat, go to his high school and then do all that kind of stuff. So, you know, to me, I think that's important. It's important, but that's why he has such an impact. And to your point, why, if they get Justin Scott on the 31st and and for me, that's still an, if you know what I mean? For, for now, I mean, I need to see it close and all that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit, you know, got a little bit burned a little bit emotionally in the last recruiting class. You know what I'm saying? So I believe it when he sees, but I do feel like when Justin Scott commits, it's done deal. I do feel he's one of those kind of kids. Not every kid is, is, is that way. Um, not every local kid is that way. I don't, CJ Carr and Justin Scott don't strike me as kids that once they go they're gonna do all these other kind of things so the the point being is that like Marcus Freeman is the kind of guy that if a kid truly wants Notre Dame once he ramps things up and now that the portal and, the, and that's closed it's like okay me remind you of something kid right you're not yeah. playing for Al golden you're not playing for Al Washington you're you're playing you're playing you know, Yeah. For me.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And it is, I just go back to when I was talking to him Tuesday, right? And, you know, I don't know what the word would be, but he gives an example of what he's looking for, and he utters another school in giving that example,
3: Mm
2: -hmm. right? And I always throw questions out there just to see, how guys are going to respond. So my follow-up question to that was when he got through with that, I was like, okay, that's dope. And um, I said, but man, you know, that trio of you, Cam, and Keith, I was like, you know, that's that's something they like. Mm -hmm. And this big smile came over his face. And I'm like, like, okay. Yeah. Like, yeah, I I hear what you're saying because you have to realize at the end of the day, every other school is fighting uphill to get him. Right. If we're really going from – And they know it. Every other school is fighting uphill to get him, right? And they have much further distance to go in order to accomplish or receive a commitment. We feel like if things have been more aggressive from the Notre Dame standpoint, it would pretty much be a sealed deal sure. at this point. But from the from the mouth of the man, young man himself, yesterday was really important. Yeah. Yesterday was really important. Yeah. And when you hear that, it makes you feel good that going down the stretch, if this same effort is given from the staff. Yeah. And it should, it should go the way that would make us all happy, and we should be able to post some dancing gifs. Well, and, and in, I think that's the thing,
1: weeks. though, Sean, is – is yeah, I know, right? There's a reason why the offensive staff closed the way it did and the defensive staff closed the way it did. hmm Because somebody made a comment, it can't just be Marcus Freeman, though, right? But With no. some kids, it can. With the kid from Chicago who wants Notre Dame, it can be enough. Yeah. But to do it consistently, it can't just be that. You have two coaches, one that tries, but I just don't think he tries hard enough and isn't necessarily good at it. And then the other one, Al Golden, who we just never hear his name mentioned with kids. Unless it's the coaches going on the road where he has to go out and see kids. We, yeah. we don't, we don't hear about that. Offensively, there's three names every offensive kid mentions. Doesn't matter the position. Marcus Freeman, Chad Bowden, Tommy Reese. Everyone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Every single one. With all, defensive players, you hear the head coach, Chad, and their position coach. Yeah. And sometimes not even the position coach. And that hurts – that 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 to me has has been an issue for defensive recruiting. So Al Golden's going to have to step it up and get back to, you know, realizing he's got to put in the work on the recruiting trail. Very much so. And same with Al Washington. Yeah. So this isn't just an Al Washington problem. Al Washington's recruiting on defensive lines a problem. But it's not the only
2: problem. Until you get to an emeritus status. And right. What I mean by that, here's a little joke. I told you about this joke. I'm talking to Justin last night, and I'm like, um, he's telling me about the usage and the plan that he that has been conveyed to him mm-hmm. on the defensive line. And I'm like, hey, you better be careful now, because uh, Harry he's staying might get in that coach's room and fight for you. And he he just started. He man, he he laughed at it. He was like, "Yeah, I know," because he loves. He's falling in love with playing right tackle, which he played for the first time last season. And according to you, Brian, you said he's he's pretty good at it. Even Ryan said, "Yo, he's a pretty good right tackle."
3: Mm-hmm. Like
2: he would be pretty good. So yeah, when I see that response from him, yeah, that lets me know like. It's not just about Marcus Freeman, sure. Al Gold. He, it's Notre knows, Dame. he right. knows who Harry Heisman right. is. And his he's,
1: situation's different, though. Yeah. Right. And yeah. that's the problem with some of the other recruiting is with Justin. Yeah. It's like you, you, you'd have to, you have to screw this one up. And that's yeah. my concern is the seven next 17 days is don't screw this up. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. I'm, I'm not getting too, yeah. I, I'm not getting super excited until I get definitive word and, and it goes public. I'm just, I'm just not. You know, you know, but the reality, the reality is, Sean, is his situation is different. And that's why to kind of close up this recruiting section is there's a couple coaches on. I mean, really, I mean, if we're being real about it, there's mm-hmm. one coach right now pulling his weight on the recruiting trail on defense. There's one. That's it. Yeah. Making, that's it. I mean, Chris O'Leary's doing a nice job, but he's not doing a are you recruiting like a guy that's going to Is it's like this. Sean. What do we what do you, what's the expectation when we talk when we we're breaking down the offense and defense recently? Mm-hmm. the expectation for Tom Reese is you need to coordinate this and get this offense playing like a championship level, not not a really good top 10 team, but championship level. And they didn't coach that way. And then there's people like losing their minds, getting all mad because we're criticizing the defense. And you're like, but what's the standard? I, I, no one has ever said on this channel that the offense was better than the defense this year ever. But just because it was better than the offense doesn't mean that we're going to be OK with it because it wasn't good enough. Right. And that's the standard. And so to me, Chris O'Leary's recruiting like a guy that's coaching on a top 15, top 20 team. It's pretty good. Right. Mike Mickens is recruiting like a dude that's recruiting like a national championship coach. And that's the difference. Like Now, I think Chris O'Leary's coaching has been, especially considering his age, has been really good. When you Whoa. look at the pieces he's worked with the last couple of years that, have, in my opinion, have played much better. Much better than their talent level. Yes. Yes. It's the recruiting that's the concern, right? And, yeah, okay, Peyton Bowen, this, that, and the other thing. But Peyton Bowen doesn't sting as much if you don't whiff in 2022. That's my point. Facts. Right? And you needed Chad Bowden to go get Brandon Hillman to save you in the 2023 class of safety. Mm-hmm. Now he's been good at identifying the Ben Miniches and the Don Schulers, who are guys that I'm like, I don't know about this kid when you first offer him, and then you know you let it play out, and then you're like, okay, I you know I see what you're talking about here, right? But again, that's that's to this level, that's top ten, fifteen ish. But Mike Mickens is recruiting like a dude that's like, okay, I, I'll see, I'll see your recruiting class, Ohio State, and I'll raise you a, a this, yeah, you you know what I mean? Yeah, oh, okay, D like who's the team? Who is the debate right now about who DBU is? It's Ohio State and LSU, right? If mm-hmm. you look at like the modern, modern. discussion,
2: yeah, right? The Draft, yeah.
1: Right. I yeah. mean, that's because Ohio State was, and then L- some people think it's Ohio State because of all the kids they put out the last six or seven years. Some people say LSU and all that. So Notre Dame says, all right, cool. We'll, we'll go down to St. Louis and beat you for a kid that you both want. It was Mick, mm-hmm. right? And, and when you talk to Christian Gray, yeah, he'll talk about Marcus Freeman and Chad, but you hear him talk about Mickens mm-hmm. and the influence Mickens had in a way that you don't always hear from other assistant coaches on the defensive side of the ball. With the kids on defense, it's always Freeman, Chad, Freeman, Chad, Freeman, yeah. Chad. On offense, you hear Freeman, Chad, Tommy, Freeman, Chad, Tommy, Coach Eastan, Chancey. Freeman, Chad, Tommy, Coach Stuckey, depending yeah. on the position coach, right? right? Right. Dillon's done a great job. Great job. And this is not meant to take away from the job that Chancey has done – or that Dylan has done, or Coach Easton has done, or Coach Parker has done. The the thing is, is it's it's the same thing that we you say about Mike Elston. Yeah, Mike Elston does a nice job recruiting, but he's always going to be limited for other reasons. But the big limiting reason was going to be you can't do it yourself for the big time players. Right. as a position coach. So yeah. Dylan McCullough can recruit his butt off for Jeremiah Love, but it can't, and he did. He did a great job with Jeremiah Love. But it can't just be him. And it can't just be Marcus, and it can't just be Tommy, and it can't just be Chad. And the and the the reality is is Notre Dame, I would argue that three of the four defensive linemen in last year's class were guys that were not landed because of the position coach. And you could mm-hmm. argue all four, really, if you want to get down with it. Because Chad Bowden was the primary recruiter for Armel Mookum. He had a big, big role in Notre Dame going after and, and getting Bubacar Brendan Verner's already committed and devin Houston they already led for when they showed up when when the new coach showed up the safety position you kind of got on some kids early before any other big schools did and, and good good on you for that right good on you for that but you didn't go out there and win those battles like you know like Mick won beating lSU and and Ohio State for uh Christian gray or beating Jimmy lake and Nick Saban. For Benjamin Morrison, and that's the thing, is Sean. And and here's the here, but I'll say this: I'm going to tie it all back into Chicago. If you're able to get Justin Scott, that's going to have a very similar impact on the defensive recruiting as getting a CJ Carr will have on offensive recruiting. Big reason why Cam Williams committed Notre Dame when he did, CJ Carr. Big reason Jack Larson committed Notre Dame when he did. CJ Carr. What side of the ball is dominating right now? What side of the ball is really dominated recruiting last year? It's offensive recruiting. If we're going to be real about it. It's offensive recruiting outside of one position, right? And when you talk to Jaden Osbury, who's the guy he primarily talks about? It's Marcus. So you get a guy like Justin Scott, and, and, and I'll say this. Coach Freeman is very aware of what's going on in the defensive side of the ball. I'll just leave it at that, okay? But you get a kid like Justin Scott, Sean, who's an elite player from down the street at a position of importance. And all of a sudden, every time you show up to a Notre Dame home game, who's there? 6'5", 315-pound, five-star defensive tackle that's committed to Notre Dame, if that's how it plays out. That's why I'm, I'm adding to why he's important. I don't know that they're going to get him i i don't i'm not saying that they are i'm explain i'm i'm explaining why it's so important that they do get him and that's the point to where you you you've got that Drake bowen type of kid and as creative a jo- job as 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 Drake bowen did he walks into a room he looks a certain way athletic six two you know and then there's a guy like Michael Mayer walks into a room and he looks a certain way. Or Justin Scott walks into a room and he looks a certain way. Or Joe Alt or Blake Fisher walk into a room and they look a certain way and they're just like, whoa. You know, or they have a ranking profile that's a certain way. That adds to why Justin Scott's so important. That People may not think that stuff matters. Trust me, to 16, 17, 18-year-olds, it matters. it matters big time. Because there's matters. one thing that has always been true, Sean, in football, even more so in basketball and any other sport, and it changes – from you know whatever the lingo is you know dudes want to play with other dudes what used to be like savages want to play with other savages whatever that's never going to go away in football not not for teams win championships and hey i'm a middle linebacker and i'm deciding between this school and this school okay do i want to play behind justin scott or do i want to play behind this other nice top 100 ish guy over here i want to play behind that dude yeah right if i'm a receiver do i want to go over here and catch balls from this dude or do I want to go over here and catch balls from CJ Carr? Exactly. I want to catch balls from CJ Carr, right? Which also speaks to how well the offensive staff recruited last year, that they were able to put that class together with no quarterback. <laughs> I mean, wasn't Kenny Minchie the second-to-last kid to commit to Notre Dame in the offensive class last year? <laughs> Chris Tarek being the last one, right? So um, if you can get that kind of thing in this clash on, it's, it's big time. Yeah. It's big time. Yeah. So that's going to do it for the recruiting portion of the show, Sean. Before we move on to the team part, I do ask all of you to hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast. Make sure that you are signed up to the Irish Breakdown podcast app, uh, which you can find on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all your different podcasts, app platforms. And also, do not forget to sign up for the CFP Nation podcast app as well, where you can find Lucky Lefty podcast daily putting out so you guys had some really good content this week sean some really good conversation i'm still bummed speaking of chicago that that Corey mays thing couldn't get put out oh dude i love Corey mays man it was a fantastic interview it was his connection it's still up on your youtube video though absolutely on your youtube channel and lucky lefty but i wish it would have been up on the podcast app yeah so definitely make sure you check that out and of course hit that like subscribe notification bell and share this podcast